0: Welcome into Hitting Hard with John Chuckery here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Today on the show, what to expect from Bates? Are things getting to a critical mass point? And Bryce Elder dowses again, looking back at that 2020 draft. It's all next. It's Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked On Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it starts now. Hitting hard as part of the Locked On uh, Podcast Network, your team every day. We ask you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast. Get the latest episodes of Hitting Hard as soon as they become available. Also, check us out on the SiriusXM app as well, and follow me on my personal Twitter page at JMcH316. So, what do we expect out of Jesse Bates this upcoming season? So, what should be the expectations? Obviously, the Falcons dumped a whole bunch of money into the safety position, right? And look, he was the number one safety in the free agent market and all this kind of stuff. Second team all pro in 2020, probably his best year as a pro. He's been one of the better safeties in all of the NFL over the last couple of few years. But we obviously spend, I think he's got the fourth highest um, fourth highest contract among active safeties, so we've obviously spent a lot of good money on him. What do we expect? Now, I don't think that his value is going to be measured in purely stats. He had no quarterback hits, he had no sacks or anything like that last year, right? So we're not gonna we're not gonna factor all that in. He did have his career high in interceptions this past season with four. So I expect him to make some plays. But here's the thing. And this is where I always get sideways with some things. And, and I always get sideways with some people this is not about, this is not about Bates, that he's not a good player or anything like this. It's what can he do to impact the game? You know, he's a guy that stands 10 yards away from where the ball is snapped. Right. And we talk about being a line of scrimmage team and our Terry Fontenot, Oh, we're line of scrimmage guy. Okay. We spend a lot of money on a guy who stands 10 yards away from all of that. Now. Let me also say, I do think Jerry Gray is going to have a big influence on how the secondary plays overall. Obviously, Jerry Gray, a, a really good defensive uh, coach, former defensive coordinator. He's going to work with Ryan Nielsen. He'll be a real asset to him. Obviously, in 2010, he, worked with, he was with the um, Seattle Seahawks organization when they drafted Cam Chancellor and Earl Thomas, and he worked with all of those guys, right? How'd those guys work out? How'd that whole Legion of Boom thing work out remember when dan quinn you know when they were building the legion of boom jerry gray was right there in the front lines while dan quinn was down in gainesville florida sorry that's a shot at dan quinn but anyway um but look if jesse bates is going to i guess for lack of a better term justify the contract then i need a first or second team all pro kind of year out of him i need a year where he's again what he was in 2020 when he was a second team all pro And again, I don't know that his impact is going to be felt by pure stats because, again, it's hard for a safety to accumulate stats. But when you think about the great safeties in the game, uh, uh, Troy Polamalu, Ed Reed, Ronnie Locke, those guys had a real impact on the game. I mean, Ed Reed was one of the most impactful players in the history of the NFL. Troy Polamalu was a real impact player, for that Steelers defense. Now, again, I'm not comparing him to Troy Polamalu or Ed Reed, and I'm saying he's got to be one of those guys. But when you talk about the safety position, there aren't as many of those guys. I mean, you know, listen, Cam Chancellor, Earl Thomas, those were impactful players. Cam Chancellor was a real impactful players. And and Bates is a good-sized guy, 6'1", 200 pounds, can probably come up, help with the run, in coverage, whatever it's going to be for him. But I do think that this has got to be a pro bowl, all pro kind of season for him. And the last couple of years have been pretty good for him. I mean, his pro football focus numbers grayed out pretty well. They probably dipped a little bit since 2020 when he had it really his big breakout year. And he was with a really good defense as far as they could sack the quarterback, right? Like the, This one of the the only if if nothing else, the Cincinnati Bengals were a team that could sack the quarterback, right? They brought Trey Hendrickson in a couple years ago, and all he did was set the franchise record for sacks in a season. That's all he did. Okay. So when you can do that, you you can make your back end of your secondary look much better. But I need Jesse Bates to be an impactful player, and, and he needs to influence games. Again. We have all of these guys that we've spent high draft capital on, high free agent money on, that stand further away from the football. Well, you're just being a hater and all that. No, I'm telling you that, again, guys near the point of the football. My my philosophy on football is very simple. The closer to the football, when it's placed on the ground, that you are great, the better your team will be. And I think Jesse Bates is a really good player. Would I have spent $14 million a year on a safety? No. But again, he wanted to be here and it was a logical fit. And again, he was looking for a change, right? He had almost two years to negotiate with the Cincinnati Bengals. He was he was not going to play for the Cincinnati Bengals again. So a lot of it made sense for him to be here in Atlanta. And okay, I get all that. And hopefully, Jerry Gray's a guy who coaches him up, coaches our defensive backs up, coaches up Grant, Hawkins, all of these guys, whoever, whoever it is back there. But I need Jesse Bates. When I look up, the only stat that I want to see out of Jesse Bates isn't worried about. I'm not worried about interceptions. I'm not worried about uh, sacks. I'm not worried about quarterback hits. I'm not worried about passes defended. I'm not worried about tackles for loss. The only stat I want to see is like that line. When I when I look at his when I look at his uh, Pro Football Reference when I when I look at his byline, it says there's a little note right off to the side of his 2020 season that says. AP2. AP2. Okay. That's second team all pro. I want to see first or second team all pro. Yeah, I'm expecting that. When you pay $14 million a year, when you pay full market value for a safety that a position has that for a position that has been diminished in the NFL, it doesn't have as much value as it has in years past, then I'm going to expect a lot. And he's got to be a guy that changes up games. I expect him to win a game for us this year. I expect his play to win us a game. But as long as I see right off to of the side, a pro football reference when in that far right column, as long as I see PB, AP1, AP2, that's the only stat that's going to matter to me. That's the only thing. I don't care about his other ancillary stats and things like that, because it's going to be hard to judge his safety with it. So as long as I get... PB, AP1, AP2 off to the side, I'll be good about that signing, and I'll feel much better about it. And hopefully he's a big impact player for this defense, and I certainly think that Jerry Gray can do a lot with him. All right, this episode of Hitting Hard is brought to you by Built Bar. Listen, Built Bar's got you covered with all of the best low-calorie, low-sugar, low-carb snacks, but high-protein. Whether you like the protein-infused marshmallow puffs whether you like just traditional protein bars, you've got all kinds of different flavors that are coming out every single month. But the four grams of uh, sugar, four net carbs, but the whopping seventeen grams of protein with only hundred and thirty calories. Built Bar's got your healthy snacks covered, and now you have multiple ways to buy Built Bar. If you want to go to built.com, go online, put your order together, click that you know button that you know gets your order put in, and then wait for your Built Bars to deliver right to your house, right? But if you want to go to the store, now you have a couple of options. You can go to the pharmacy section of Walmart, buy your box of Built Bars there. You can go to Sam's Club, buy your box of Built Bars there. So whether you want the traditional brick and mortar route or you want to go online, Built Bars have got you covered all the way around. Go to Built.com or Walmart or Sam's Club today and get your box of Built Bars ordered or at the store. So are things getting to a point of critical mass within the Georgia football program? I mean, we saw Marcus Rosemary St. Jackson. um, uh, Sorry, Jack St. He's the fourth guy that's been arrested in a driver-related incident. Um, I think he was doing 90 and a 45. I don't really care what the number is. But here's the thing. Do I think Kirby's lost control of the program and all this good kind of stuff no I, I don't think that at all but the perception is that this program looks like they can't get a handle on what their guys are doing and i don't think that this is an nil thing or anything like that right coaches can still influence playing time how if you're going to start things like that you, you can punish guys but somebody's got to be made an example of all of this and the perception is right, wrong, fair or unfair is that nobody has learned from the Jalen Carter incident where Jalen Carter was obviously involved in the car wreck that killed a couple of, you know, a football player, Devin Willock, uh, a uh, uh, Ch- uh, Chandler LaCroix, the recruiting coordinator and all that, right? They were drag racing, LaCroix and, and uh, uh, Jalen Carter, right? That whole incident that happened on January 15th. It feels like, Nobody has learned their lesson with all of this. And that's the part that is frustrating. That's the part when you look at this, you say, okay, why can't Kirby get a handle on this? And and first off, miss me with the whole narrative that, well, where the coaches don't know what they're doing, they can't be on. Yeah, they do. I I promise you that they do. They know everything that goes on, right? I I had a, a guy that I worked for that his son, Played for George O'Leary down in Central Florida, okay, and this was in the middle of summertime. This is this is summertime, right? So everybody's out of school and this, that, and the other, okay. He had to report logs of his workout. He had to report logs of his diet. He had to track what he was doing, and and the coaches would contact him. You know, it wasn't necessarily O'Leary, but they would contact. He he stayed in constant communication with the coaches and was logging his workouts on a daily basis. They know what go. this is the middle of summertime. These guys know what's going on. That's why they have grad assistants and things like that to monitor the, everything that goes on. So miss me with that whole narrative about what well, they don't know what's good. No, they don't. They do. They, they know what's going on. You have an idea of what's going on. And so the perception is now that nobody's learned any lessons. And, and Kirby's like, well, okay. Somebody's got to be made example of. And maybe it has to be a star player. But somebody's either got to get kicked off the team. Somebody's got to be suspended. Somebody's got to be sat down. Somebody's got to have their playing time influenced. But something has to change. Well, it's just kids speeding and all that kind of stuff. Okay. It was kids speeding on January 15th. That resulted in the loss of life. And when you have an incident like that that happens, wouldn't you naturally think? Wouldn't your gut instinct tell you that? Oh, okay, that's an eye opener. That should be a lesson. That's like, whoa, okay, we lost a teammate. We lost a recruiting coordinator, whatever. Whoa, Jalen got in trouble, right? And now he's being sued by Devin Willock's father for millions upon millions of dollars. The athletic department is getting sued and Jalen Carter is getting sued. Wouldn't you think that the athletic department would say, Hey man, look, nothing may come of this, but we don't need to have lawsuits for tens of millions of dollars that are filed against us. Let's get a handle on all of this. Wouldn't all of that stuff be naturally just in your mind, in your own personal mind, all of that be happening. Of course, And again, I don't think Kirby's lost control of the program and he can't get a handle on it, but somebody has got to be, look, and I know that with success you have this invincibility fear. They're the best team in college football. They're the best program in college football. They have the best coach in college football. They are number one. They're the number one recruiting, right? They just landed the number one player in the country. Somebody has got to be made an example of, and at some point, The perception from across the country is that nobody learned their lesson from the Jalen Carter situation. Things are not better now. Things have not calmed down. Here's a guy driving whatever, 90 and a 45. And again, it's a, you know, again, we talk about, you know, well, it was only a $2,000 final. But the perception is from people that it's crazy to think that after he had two. People killed on January fifteenth because of reckless driving, speeding, drag racing, drinking and driving, and all of these things. That two people had to lose their life, and we're still going out and recklessly driving, driving excessively at speed, whatever it is. That's the perception, and that's what it looks like to everybody. It's like Georgia's run amok; they're out of control. Kirby's got to get his arms around all of this. He's got to get a grasp on all of this because it's not a good look for the university of Georgia. And again, you would think that the athletic department would say, look, we got to get a handle on some of these things. I don't know what the solution is. Take away everybody's driver's license. I don't know, you know, not let anybody drive. I, I, whatever it is, I don't care what the solution is. Just, Solve the perception of what this program is becoming because again, it's like every other week, there's you know, every couple of weeks there's another player recklessly driving, speeding, doing all this that, and the other. And I get it. I understand. We were all young once, right? Have I ever sped in my life? Sure, I speed today at fifty one. i'm um, I'm still a speeder. I still drive eighty miles an hour when I'm trying to get down four hundred. But again, You know, the perception is, is that this program is not getting a grasp on what needs to be done. And I know at the sacrifice or whatever of the program, again, they're in their best run in school history. How many years has the University of Georgia played football? This is the highest peak point of success ever for this program. I get it. And you don't want to do anything that is going to chop that down a little bit and drop you down a level or two. I get it. You don't want that to happen, but at some point for the good of the program, somebody has got to be made an example of, and and this trend has to stop where we're getting all of these incidents. I mean, this is the things that are being reported. Imagine what, what the real truth is of everything, right? Imagine what the reality is of incidents that haven't been reported or where the cops said, hey, okay, we'll let this slide or what have you, right? So again, the perception is the fact that you didn't learn your lesson from two people dying. And that's where the problem becomes is that they look at Kirby and say, why can't we get a grasp on this thing? Why do we have to? Why does the athletic department and Jalen Carter have to be sued for tens of millions of dollars right now because of these incidents? Why? Why why can we not? Why can we not slow guys down from driving 90 miles an hour in a 45? Again, we'll probably hear in a couple of weeks that somebody else is driving 90 in a 45. Right? That seems to be the trend right now. So until Kirby gets his arms around this thing, somebody's got to be made an example of. I don't care what that is. You suspend a guy, you kick him off the team, whatever. At some point, you have to send a message to your players that this behavior is not going to become acceptable. This is not going to be the norm. This is not how we're going to operate business wise with this program. Yeah, there'll be incidents and things like that along the way, but it's bop, 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 one right after another. So until Kirby gets his arms around this and makes an example of somebody, who knows? Again, this is the things we know. I can't even imagine what we don't know. All right, as you make hitting Hard your first listen every day, make sure you go into whatever podcast platform that you're listening on and let us know that you're an everyday listener to the program. So we thank you so much for being a part of our ever-growing community. A little bit more than a year into this now, so we've grown exponentially. And obviously, we thank you for all of that. Let us know in the comments section of whatever platform you're on that you're an everydayer, as we like to call them, being an everyday listener to our program. So Bryce Elder really pitched well again last night. Braves, obviously, walk-off win last night. ozzy has got the um, sacrifice fly to score Riley and all that, and it was all good. They needed that win against the, the L.A. Dodgers. And Bryce Elder had another really nice outing. I mean, he kind of, you know, got as far as got a little bit into trouble, but the six innings, the one run, Only the home run to Mookie Betts and all this. Again, when you're looking at Elder and some of these guys, it it takes me back to the idea of what this 2020 draft class was. If you look at the 2020 draft class, these are the five players, or sorry, four players that they selected. Jared Schuster was in the first round. Jesse Franklin was in the third round. Spencer Strider was in round number four. And Bryce Elder was in round number five. And I really do think that when you are going to look back in five years or what have you to this draft class, this is going to be one of the great draft classes in Braves franchise history, because I think Schuster is still a guy that's on the rise. Yeah. He's had his bumps and things like that along the way, but certainly he has showed you some signs that he can be effective at the major league level. And again, you never know with pitchers, but if you get Schuster, and you have Strider, who we know Strider's the most dominant pitcher in the National League. I'll say it. He's the most dominant guy in the National League right now. Bryce Elder is fantastic right now. He's again leading the league in ERA. He's a 2.01 ERA right now. He's 3 0, 2.01 ERA. I think he's only given up what? He's he's only in uh his 10 starts uh for this year. He's only given he's given up one run or less in six of those starts. Now think about that one run or less in six starts this year, six of his 10. So 60% of his starts are one run or less in a sport that is trying to generate as much offense as they can. That runs are up and all this kind of stuff, right? With all these different rule changes and blah, 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 right? The run scoring is higher than it's been, you know, in the last few years. Batting averages are higher than they've been in the last few years, right? Stolen bases, on and on and on and on. Trying to create faster games with more offense. And Elder this year has only given up one run or less in six of his 10 starts. He's been outstanding. And look, as they're battling through all these injuries, the, the, the Max Freeds and the Kyle Wrights and all these guys that are battling, the Ian Anderson down for the year, all the injuries that they're fighting through, Strider, Elder, and Morton are holding down the fort right now. But when we look back in probably a few years, We're going to look back at that 2020 draft class. If you've got three pitchers that are high caliber guys, that could be staples of your rotation moving forward. And I think Jared Schuster will get to that point. You know, he's not there now, right? They're kind of figuring him out. And, you know, again, not everybody just clicks right away. And how many guys have we seen for the Braves in their pitching staff that over the years have been up, they've been down, they've been this, they've been that, they've been sideways, they've been, you know, whatever. You know, we 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 went through the Sean Newcombs and the Tuki Toussaints, and you know all these guys that that have been over the years for for the Braves organization. Sometimes it works out, sometimes it really doesn't. But this draft class is going to shape up to be outstanding, even if even if Elder and Strider are the only two guys. If Schuster even fails, and he was a first round pick, even if he doesn't become a staple of the rotation. The fact that Elder looks like he's here to stay and Strider is the most dominant starting pitcher in the National League, maybe in Major League Baseball, but certainly the National League this year, (laughs) that alone makes your draft class high caliber and one of the great draft classes ever. If you can get two guys out out of a draft class with only four players that were picked that can be staples of your starting rotation for years to come, then you've already won. And if Schuster becomes that guy and he can figure some things out and you can have three of your five guys that come on all in one draft class. And by the way, too, in the 2020 draft, remember, we had the pandemic. They didn't play minor league baseball. So some of these guys are legitimately behind. It's crazy to think that three years ago, Spencer Strider was pitching for the University of Clemson. And, and Schuster was at Wake Forest. So, again, the fact that these guys – and it does speak to the development and it does speak to the scouting and everything along with it. I give the Braves a lot of credit. But this could shape up to be one of the great draft classes of all time for the Atlanta Braves. I don't know all the history of remembering all of the different draft classes and things like that, and I'm sure that there were draft classes in the 90s where they got the Ron Gantz and people like that and obviously Steve Avery and guys like that. I, I don't remember all those draft classes. But here in more modern times, 2020 could shape up to be one of the better draft classes of all time for the Atlanta Braves. Even Strider and Elder alone are making this a really good draft class. And if Schuster gets in that mix, this will be one of the all-timers for the Atlanta Braves. The fact that you can find three guys in your rotation to be staples for the long term. All right, we thank you so much for making Hit and Hard with John Chuck where your first listen? Be sure to go in and leave us a comment in whatever platform that you're listening on that you're an everyday listener to the program. So we like to call them our everydayers, right? So be a listener to the show every single day. Leave us a comment. Let us know that you're listening in five days a week. We thank you so much for being a part of our audience. You can certainly catch, sorry, subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast, you can get the latest episodes of Hitting Hard as soon as they become available. Check us out on the SiriusXM app as well, and then give me a follow on my personal Twitter page, at JMCH316. We'll be back with you tomorrow. This has been Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked on Sports Atlanta.